I'm Caleb, and this is the Air of Grievances Podcast. So today is part two of my interview with Brian Outland, which I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you his story right now, whether or not you like it. It's an embarrassing story, and I am the punchline. So, right before we started recording, (laughs) this is how conceited I am. Right before we started recording, I asked Brian how to pronounce his last name. You know, because it's spelled A-A... Oh, God. A-A-D-L-A-N-D. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that one could assume that might be pronounced. So, you know, I clarified. He said Oddland. Okay. Got it. We start recording. I say, I'm here with my good friend, Brian. As you may notice in episode one, I just totally... Five seconds later, it's out of my head. In one ear, out the other. As we said back in the 90s for you kiddos. But, uh, yeah, that's... (laughs) That is how conceited I am. So, uh, (laughs) this is part two. We get a little bit more into his, uh, I guess his project, his passion project, The Sacred Collective. And uh, I think think you're going to love it. It's a great episode. So, let's do it. Can you tell me a little bit about the Sacred Collective? Thank you. That's a nice segue. Uh, the Sacred Collective, um, it's kind of morphed into something that I didn't even think it was going to be. Mm. Um, if you talk to my wife, if you talk to friends of mine that have known me for a long time, there's always been this, um, it's hard to describe, there's always been this void inside of me that I don't feel that the church is always comfortable asking open-ended questions. Mm. So when you hear a sermon, whether you're at an Assemblies of God church, a UCC church, a Catholic church, it's always like whatever the pastor, what's on their heart wants to be said. It could be you're talking about like, you know, there's that school shooting in Florida. So a lot of people in the UCC talk about like social justice. They're doing that. And that stuff's fine. Or are you like in the evangelical churches? It's always like, well, God's going to come back and and all this stuff is terrible and shit's going to hell. But the Sacred Collective, and I like the couple of us who, it was me and my wife and another friend um, who I've known for a little while. I just put it out on Facebook and said, who wants to jump in this with me? And it was actually through my advisor in the UCC because as a member in discernment, we're given an advisor so we they advise us kind of what to do help us out kind of being that other minister kind of helping us out if we have questions and discerning our whole thing what we want to do and i kept saying and his name is brian as well and i kept going to brian and saying yeah i i want to be in ministry i want to do pastoral stuff but i said i just the idea of just having to dress up in robes Every Sunday, which I think robes are great. They're cool. One of my best friends is a Presbyterian minister over in Switzerland, and he loves the robes and the the stoles and the church colors. And I think that's all great. 
but the pageantry. Yeah, yeah, the the smells and bells, the pageantry, you know, all that stuff, and it, it's it, and it's that's just that the world is knowing just like how priests wear the collars, and it's just more of a this person's a pastor, this person's not a pastor, this person's this, this person's mm. not. But for me, the sacred collective started in my heart probably when I was like a teenager huh. of wanting a place. And when I when we sat down and talked about this, I was like, I eventually want to, you know. I eventually want to have a, a building where we have, you know, musicians, where we have, you know, other stuff. And kind of in my mind, if if you know what, what Solomon's Porch is, it's yeah. a community in South Minneapolis started by Doug Paget, And still in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I kind of want it to be like that. But the one thing I'll tell anybody who's listening to this or anything else is don't – you can want to say you want to have something like I want it to be like – envisioned after this but it's always going to go a different way and you have to be open to any which way and direction that that's going to go and really what the sacred collective has turned into now is a bunch of individuals with different religious backgrounds some of them some of us are atheists some of us are christians some of us are evangelical christians some of us um are are gay some of us don't know what we believe in i tell people you can come in and say jesus is your best friend you're like dating jesus whatever language you want to use and i said and if you want to come in and say fuck god hopefully i can say that on this podcast yeah, you can, yeah. um then you're welcome it's a safe space and i hate when people are like oh safe space that's such a you know liberal or left word it's not it's it's saying that we want every voice to be represented and uh, I didn't. I didn't bring. I brought a sheet, kind of like our little tagline. I should memorize it. But we. It's. It's a place where anybody can come in and feel safe, feel welcomed, and can ask anything they want. Like, say, hey, I don't. Why did Jesus do this? Or why is God this? Or why is the church do do this? Or like, I don't even believe in God. And some of my atheist friends who are a part of it have brought up some really probing questions where I'm like, oh, I guess. I haven't thought about it from that perspective or some of the people involved who are evangelical will look take a totally different look at it and that and that's fine that's good yeah and that's why we need it because I feel like the church doesn't give an openness for that yeah. I think it's maybe if you're in a small group or if you're reading a book that might be different but I love the the group of men and women that have been involved in it and and you know since you've started coming that and wanting to record it and stuff it's it's turned into something great and my wife even brought up she was like brian you know what if you know you wanted to turn this into like a ministry or a church but what if with the help of you caleb so thank you like it just turns into a podcast Mm. it just turns into um a podcast and you know or like we have a website if we'll pull it up but what if you you know have this here and what if you know it gets big enough where we have a following what if it's one of those things like we go on tour and you know we're like oh we're you know talking you know about the sacred collective in kansas city in chicago wherever and kind of just going out out there like we we want the whole thing of the sacred collective is if, if there's sacred collectives that we can start in other cities that's wow. great so I'm thinking big picture and even in my mind, you know, like my wife brought up like what if we do service projects? What if we not just meet in each other's homes like what we're doing now, but 
and that's fine and dandy, but what if we help out in soup kitchens? Yes. What if we, you know, go and pick up litter on the side of the road, you know, being creation care people? What if we, you know, go to the soup kitchens to help, you know, go to like feed my starving children, whatever these things are. And you don't have to be a Christian to do that. Mm-hmm. You, you're just a human being. Because yeah. when I talked to the UCC about it, they were like, well, I mean, what's what's your you know vision? What's your plan? Like, how are you going to pay for it? How are you going to ask for tithe and offering? How are you going to do all this stuff? I'm like, we're no, we're not nonprofit. We're not 501c. You know, we're not any of that. Maybe down the road we will, but right now I feel where God's putting on my heart and and my wife, who are kind of like the ones spearheading it right now, is we want it to be a place where just anybody can come in. And feel yeah. safe, feel that their voice is heard, and like I said, they can say "f off, God." They can say Jesus is my best friend. They can say I don't know what the hell I believe, and that's all fine and acceptable. Yeah. But we, and as my friend, I'm not going to use names of it, is what she said, and she's an atheist, and she really just knocked it out of the park for me. And it's, she said it over a month or two ago, and it still always plays in my head. I don't do these things for people working where she does at Salvation Army because I have to or because my God tells me to or God tells me to, I do it because we're human. And that just hit me because I'm like, as Christians, we shouldn't do nice things for people because we're Christians. We should do nice things for other human beings because we're all humans and we need to do that. And so that's part part of the Sacred Collective too is as human beings, we're this collage of people of different backgrounds sexual orientations beliefs ideologies but we're getting together as human beings just to try to be better people and i know people are going to say oh you're tickling people's ears and whatever and people i'm fine with people hating on me and that's fine but i feel like that's where the collective has kind of morphed and as my my friend she kind of came up i came up with sacred i wanted that word she came up with collective because it's like we're all sacred as human beings, regardless of religion or creed or sexual orientation. And we're a collective of people who congregate together um, to break bread, have food, have good conversation. And so that name kind of just stuck. I like and, that, yeah. And I like it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Could you see it as being more than a, a biweekly thing or do you think that's just the magic number? Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I would do it every every we meet every other Thursday. Um, I would love to do it every Thursday. It's just we're doing that now. We we really talked about it last summer, and kind of just talked about it in like June or July, um, and then I didn't really do anything with it the late, later part of August September because I had a different job that I transitioned to, and you know, just uh, my wife and I had our first child, our daughter last summer. So there was a lot of transition and stuff that had to be done first. Um, but you know, I, I'm trying to be respectful, respect of people's times. So I feel like having it two times a month instead of four times a month Mm. would be easier. And I'm trying to make it, it was my passion and my vision. So then most people's minds are like, Oh, well, Brian's the de facto leader. And I've said it very, very open that I don't want it to be just me. I want people to be like, Hey, let's come up with this idea. Like I've, you know, we've talked about racism. We've talked about patriarchy and masculinity in the church. 
last week you were part of we talked about purity culture um, my wife brought up like let's talk about um, morality and because I had a family member that said only Christians have I've heard that. this this desire to to be moral people and my wife and I were both like oh, that's BS yeah and I think so, that's fear based yeah it is it's fear-based. like I've got an angry dad who's gonna hit me over the head with a stick if I don't do the right thing that's right. And so, but it's stuff so organic like that, and I know that's kind of like a, a popular word, you know, organic. But it is really what it is. We want it to be something beautiful, something that's spontaneous, something that's not cookie cutter. And I really think when you do ministry in anything, because it is a ministry using Christianese words, but really that's what it is. We need it to be organic. And I'm fine. Like I told this advisor friend of mine, I was like Brian, I don't care. If I get paid one penny for it, do I want to? Absolutely. It, 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 I have a, I've had a passion in my heart where this is how I make my money, whether traveling and touring, talking on podcasts, doing that. Like, If I can make my money doing that, that's great. But I'm not so dumb and naive to think that that's going to happen. And I've already had people, a part of the collective, tell me, like, hey, this is what I really need. This is important to me. Yes. And to me, all the education I have, I have a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. And yeah, I have a shit ton of student loans to pay back. But if I don't make one penny off of this, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I just want it to be a place where hungry people in need of community. Because as human beings, let's be honest, whether you're introverted or extroverted, Extroverted people want to be around people all the time. Introverted people want to be in their room under the cover reading a book or being by themselves. But as human beings, we all we're, – we're just social animals. Yeah. And we need community. And going to church most times just isn't community for people. Right. And, and our community is just because we meet twice a month. Some of my friends who are part of the Sacred Collective, we get together – on the off weeks and we hang out have some beers have some drinks or like here today you know you're interviewing me for this we're gonna work on other sacred collective stuff so it's not like oh it's only those two thursdays that we can meet because then i'm not doing anything different than most churches right so yes we eventually it's still in its infancy you know we started started meeting in october and it's only march and some weeks we've had two or three people, whereas my wife and I and one other person. And last week when we met, there was almost 10. So it's great. And hopefully one day, you know, we are 20, 30, 40 people. And hopefully that's where it goes. But if it's not, then that's fine. But it's something, and I would say to you, to anybody, if you have a passion to do something, the worst thing to do is just sit on it. And mm-hmm. any 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 inventor, any artist, any writer, anything that when you create something, failure is part of the process yeah. of creating something. Mm-hmm. You know, Albert Einstein, Edison, or Edison and Einstein, they all said it. They're like, you, and I think Einstein was more attributed to it. He's like, there was tons of things I wrote on, tons of things I tried to do that failed. But if I just let those failures stop me, from pursuing the things that I wanted to do, I wouldn't be the person that I am. Right. And like now having a kid, I think actually having my daughter has even kicked it into high gear where I'm like, I want my daughter. And if we have other kids, which we want, I don't want them to be like, dad, you know, why did you have, you talked about just 
ever since you know I could remember, and you never did it, and that just stuck. I'm like, they've never said that because my daughter's not even a year old. But in my own mind, I feel like that's, and I'm going to use Christianese language, but I even feel like God spoke to me through through being a parent of saying, I want to instill these things into my kids, but why am I just sitting on my ass not doing anything where I'm like, I want to go out and do these things and be, you know, agents of love and peace and, and grace. I'm going to actually go out and do it instead of just sit on it. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Could you see the Sacred Collective as um, superseding or replacing church um, or, or just as as an adjacent thing to like a small group almost that goes hand in hand with church. Yeah, I mean, I'm I the idea of sacred collective isn't to try to be church 2.0 or 3.0. Right. It's and I don't want it to sound like I hate church and church is dumb, but I think our modern idea and conception of church yes is drastically different. When I tell people. Uh, that I, you know, go to Revolution, you know, at Jay's, Jay's church, um, and it meets at, like, a bowling alley slash bar. People are like, what? Yes. And they'll be like, and Jay calls it a church, and and, and that is. And, but, so I don't think if someone wants to call the Sacred Collective a church, then that's fine. And do I think it's going to replace church? No, because, I mean, there's millions of people around the world that are pastors and ministers and right. on staff that that's their livelihood that's their job so i don't think the sacred collective will ever replace it i think it's uh uh something for people who have an aversion or whatever issue of going in the four walls of a church because i've even said that to my denomination when i was in the ag and now in the ucc i was like what are you what are we doing to people who want to be spiritual, who want a journey in life, but don't want to walk inside of a church exactly, building yeah. for whatever reason. And they just look at me like a deer in a headlight. Like, I don't understand that. And I'm like, you don't understand that, but that's my people. My people are like the ones who are like, I don't want to go to church every Sunday. I don't want to help youth groups. I don't want to help the kids. Not because they don't like it. That's just not where they're at. And, If the Sacred Collective, I don't care if people are like, oh, you're just another church, you're just another religious group, people can say whatever they want. But for us, we just meet as individuals, and as you met last week, these people, we all come from different backgrounds, we all look and and, view things differently. So to me, and like I've told many people, like this is my church. Yeah, This is, I don't feel moved by god when i go to my ucc church that i go to like we went there last week and hopefully they hopefully they don't somehow hear this because i don't get mad (laughs) but i i look at my wife i'm like i just don't feel any connection but when i'm at the sacred collective and it's not because i just started it it's because i think it's the men and women who are there we care about each other right you know we i want to know like caleb what's going on in your life i want to know what's going on in these other individual people's lives. And I think that's the core of what community that was talked about God in mm-hmm. the Bible is about. And there's many people, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of the pastor, Greg Boyd. I mean, he's, yeah. mm-hmm. he's a church here in the cities, and their church is 4,000 people, and I've had friends who've worked for him, and he preaches from the pulpit being like, 
we're too big to be a church. We're too big to be in community. I mean, that's very ballsy for someone to say who is running a church to be like, we're too big. And so I think the sacred collective is, I, I, I want it to be more than what it is, like with people-wise. But then if it gets to being like 40, 50, 60 people, how do you do community with all those right. people? Yeah. So that's my, like, in my head, what would be great is if there could be like a sacred collective in, like I said, like Kansas City, Chicago, New York, wherever. And, you know, I'm not going to have my hand in all that, but I would just say, hey, if you want to do something like this, you can call the sacred collective, whatever. You can have a different name. But my view is we just need to be radical people of inclusion and and love, and you you can't just want Christians to do it. You have to have people of all walks of life, uh, you know, or sexual orientations and gender identities, whatever, um, to be a part of it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, so it's it's not so much the name; it's it's the heart behind the sacred collective that you want to grow and, and that you want to see more of. Right. It, yeah. It's not the name. It's the heart. It's the, cause I feel like in my almost 35 years of life, every time I like you ask my family, I jump in the deep end and help out. If I'm in a part of something new, like a church, I'll jump in and be like, I'm going to help out doing this, 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 and this. And when I do the sacred collective, I'm doing the same thing. But what's different is I feel like I'm with, like-minded individuals who see that heart they see that passion they see that spark mm-hmm. yeah uh, and, and mm-hmm. i don't think and that's not me i think i'm the catalyst that helped start it but i don't want it to be where people are like oh brian you're you right know, you're the founder you're the pastor it's like no i want i want to be part of I, we want acceptance we want inclusion because yes i mean we look i mean we we live in a world where all that's all that people want to be a part of. They want to be part of a group of people, whether that's and I mean that's why a lot of people believe in religion is that they want to be a part of something. They want to be in a belief system. They want to be you know like you're friends with people because you're like minded, and that's fine. But we should even be friends with people that aren't like minded like us. And that's what the sacred collective exists to be, is to accept everyone, to say that everyone is sacred. Yes. That everyone is important um, in God's eyes, or if you don't believe in God, not in God's eyes, but just as human beings. Yeah, it's almost a a humanist take. Yeah, I mean, and there's times where I'm like, am I more of a humanist than a Christian? Maybe. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I've heard many theologians say you weren't born a christian you're born a human and Mm, mm, i like that and a religion is something you choose to believe in we're all born you know butt-ass naked into this world and we're born all as human beings and we choose to be believe in a god or not a god but at the end of the day as humans we should love other humans and care for other human beings and i just as a christian attribute that my belief in God isn't going to hinder anybody but I'm not going to be I'm unabashedly in love with Jesus but other people who come don't have to be in love with Jesus but they have to be respectful of it just right. as like I have to be respectful of their views right and um I know you, ter- you used the term ministry earlier and it's not ministry in the more conventional sense of trying to convert people it's trying to serve them 
Exactly. It's trying to provide a medium where they're comfortable and they can be served emotionally mm-hmm. more so than, than trying to convert them to your way of thinking. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, I have some questions for you about seminary. Um, so I myself would like to go into ministry. I right now, I'm always changing my mind. I'm always, you know, changing what I think I want to do with my life. I'm, I'm very indecisive. But right now I feel like I, I'd like to be some sort of pastor one day. And I see Jay as, as a big role model in that and you yourself and how you approach ministry. Um, and we talked a little bit about this at the last Sacred Collective meeting. Do you think that uh, going to seminary is essential in the path to uh, to becoming a pastor or a minister? It's depending on if you want to be in a denomination, because uh-huh. most denominations have seminaries across the country, and especially more mainline, when I mean mainline, like if you want to be a Lutheran pastor, like a UCC pastor, um, you know, United Methodist, you're going to have to go to seminary to get at least base minimum and an MDiv degree. Um, and and I'm not opposed to that because you don't want some dumbass right. speaking crud yeah. from the pulpit. You want to know your, your hermeneutics. Yeah, you want them to know that you're not some, that you're in it for the long haul, whether the long haul is five years or 50 years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's that. But at the end of the day, like, I'll look at my ministry degrees that I have and I'm not for one minute mad that I went to school because like I can have these conversations like I don't talk like well we've been talking about like God and all these used like normal everyday people I don't talk about it at work just because people are it's going to be over their heads but so I went to seminary yes because I wanted to be in ministry but it was I had all these questions and no one could answer them mm. And I just fell in love with classes mm-hmm. about all that stuff. So, and it's just depending on if you want to be go into a more liberal denomination, then there's liberal denomination seminaries there. If you someone's conservative and they want to go to a, a more conservative mm-hmm. seminary, those are there. But one thing that I would say to anybody, whether you or anybody else, is be prepared just like any other career. There's not right now in our job market. There's not a lot of jobs, right? So that if you get a if you get an MDiv or a doctorate of ministry or a PhD, you might be doing it part time and then having to do something else. Like, you know, you called me a pastor earlier, and technically I'm not ordained, right? But you know, church where I intern for the UCC, I go back there a couple times a year, and they still call me pastor. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm not a pastor. Yeah. They're like, no, you were here for nine months. You care about us. You know, they have kind of like a visual directory. So people who are all members at the church, it's small enough. There's pictures are like on this wall in their church. And I haven't been there, you know, as as a staff person since the beginning of 2016. And I'm still on the wall, which is cool. But, yeah, I mean, I would first and foremost say go to seminary because you have questions you want to dive into and get, you know, waist deep in it. But if you want to be... I mean, Jay said it too from Revolution. You know, it would be easier to definitely be in a denomination, but is it necessary? Not at all. Okay. So. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into my next question is, I've had this thought, like, what if I went to a conservative seminary 
just to kind of see where they're coming from to be able to rebuttal anything maybe that they might have and to kind of stir up the pot. Do I want to be surrounded by an insular group that is going to reinforce and reaffirm my beliefs or do I want to be surrounded by people who are going to challenge me and I challenge them back sort of thing? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. I mean, what you could do if you wanted to do that um, is go to a more conservative seminary and you could audit. Because mm-hmm. um, when you audit, it's way cheaper because unlike most seminaries, you're probably, for one class, if you you know do it for credit, um, you're probably going to be spending minimally $1,000 per mm. class, more like twelve or 1300 and but then if you don't really want a degree from that school then you're on the hook for that but if you audit and you because most schools not even seminaries but specifically seminaries if you're like hey i'm just wanting to do some basic you know i want to dabble in a couple classes but i don't want it for credit do you do auditing as long as you have a college degree in some sort of form it doesn't even have to be in ministry you could be like i have a business or a psychology degree or whatever if there's definitely if there's room i mean if it's if they're you know maxed out for however many students they can have then you won't get in but if you're like hey it's you want to go to bethel seminary where i want which is more conservative and you're like i just want to audit a hermeneutics class if there's room i think you know from when i was there i think it's only a couple hundred bucks so you can do that yeah just like you know in the ucc there's seminaries united here in the cities and I didn't have to, since I had all my degrees, but I had to do some like UCC polity and history. I didn't have to pay full price. I could just audit it just so I had the information there. Okay. Okay, cool. So there's, but if you want to go full, jump in, full in, then no, it's going to cost, you know, you're probably thinking about 15, 20 grand at least. For a seminary degree, and you might not get a full time job. Right. Um, But it's not always about a full time job, but Mm -hmm. it's that knowing you have that knowledge because no one can take that knowledge away from you. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like with me, like your your mind will change. When I went into seminary, I was like, I'm going to be a professor. I'm going to you know teach. I have a cousin who's has his PhD in systematic theology, and he's had it probably for almost ten years, and he's taught full-time for a little bit but then now he you know teaches some classes through christian universities online but then he you know does odd and end jobs i had a friend that i went to seminary with at at bethel and he went to luther seminary for his phd and is writing his dissertation and has moved his family down to indiana to teach at a university down there for some religious classes but He's teaching one class, mm-hmm. and then he's a janitor on the side. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's not a glorious job, and I really don't know that many people who get MDivs or Doctor of Ministries like I have that are full-fledged um, 100% in the ministry because they're just not there. Mm. Okay. So there's that's my warning. It's not, it's not saying don't do it, but it's a warning that don't think you're just going to come out of seminary and, and be set and be set and yeah. be like, oh, that's that that you know. Okay. But if that's a passion of yours, I'm not going to quelch it. I'm going to say go for it. Yeah. But just here's some. Yeah. Some words of wisdom. Okay. Yeah. I know. I appreciate that. Someone who's who's been there before. And, yeah. Yeah. Do you care if I change change gears back again a little bit? Because I'm really curious. I'm an open book. <laughs> awesome. Um. 
because I wouldn't quite consider myself a universalist. I really don't know how I feel about hell. Um, I, at one time I thought I was maybe annihilationist. Um, my dad came up with this term, a purificationist, to where the bad part of you gets sent to hell and then the conscious part of you goes to heaven sort of thing. And it's very philosophical. Yeah, he's a philosophical guy. And uh, he actually came to those terms, to that belief, like live on the podcast because I, I was kind of prodding him about it. Um, how do you react to all of the scriptural uh, references to Hades and Gehenna and you know the, what we translate as hell? Uh, why do you think that those are there? I think they're there because there were understandings, different understandings for different people, different cultures at different times. Because we have to look at the historical context. Like, I was just listening to a podcast the other day. I forget which one. But they were saying, like, Hades Hades isn't necessarily hell. But it's, like, that bad, dark place. Whatever that is. It's kind of vague. And when Jesus spoke about hell, he didn't use the words hell. He used the word Gehenna. Right. Which Gehenna was a literal factual place uh-huh. and the my kings right and- well my friend actually went there it's in israel and it's right out i don't know if it's jerusalem or bethlehem but it was literally on most of those cities were either built up on a hill for you know war when they were in war or they had like up on a hill and they were like or you know kind of like you look at some of these like in the middle ages you know and they had like big walls around it and literally in back in the bible times israel was very poor uh, most people were like, you know, farmers or fisher fishermen, um, but Gehenna is was literally the garbage dump. If you think, if you imagine a garbage dump, how terrible it smells. Just that was what hell was, and Jesus was metaphor was trying to say, this is what hell would be like. Okay, um, where literally, you know, you if you're if you had a cow or a sheep and it died mm-hmm. and you didn't want to eat it. Let's say it got sick or whatever. You'd bring it to the garbage dump. You couldn't bury your child or you know your loved one because you were too poor. You just brought it to Gehenna, and it was constantly on fire. And you know, there's right. biblical scripture where it was like the gnashing of teeth and like the worms that would never die. That was all like from a factual place where mm-hmm. like you look at a garbage dump. There's probably insects and critters and nasty critters that are in there so but now you look at Gehenna and it's rolling beautiful green hills there's grass there's trees there's a luscious life out of that so you, you could look at it as maybe what your dad said about purification where look what happened like a thousand two thousand years ago this place was gross nasty and maybe if you dig deep you still see some you know remains of carcasses and you know bones and whatever um so i think gehenna what is that and then but oh i would preface and say that our modern ideas of hell that were taught in church most and i'm talking about all denominations is really only about 200 years old right. when you look at dante's inferno you look at um yeah a lot of like cuz there's you know the bible split up in different genres and apocalyptic is a genre that people write and it's no different than you know you see some of these post-apocalyptic thrillers like books or movies that's just the genre so revelation was a genre of 
writing that was apocalyptic. And is it necessarily true? It could be, but it could not be. So that's why my version, my view of hell is, could there be a, a version of hell? Yeah, but with my view, and I use this, and it's funny, I've used it to my mom, my brother, anybody that has kids, so this is free if you ever want to use it. But I'm like, as a parent, is there anything that your kids can do? I said that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, that, now that I'm a parent, is there anything that my daughter could do from how old she is now until you know she's older as an adult that would separate me f- my love from her no i mean if she does stupid things if she breaks the law you know has to go to jail then she has to pay for her crime that way but that still doesn't mean like oh well you did some stupid ass thing mm-hmm. so i'm not going to love you anymore and i said how can you say that there's a god that says that he's loving but that you don't believe in him the way that some church tells you should, then you're going to be rejected from his love for all eternity. It makes no sense. And you know what? I've had no parent give me a rebuttal that they're like, that you can see that they're in their mind, they're trying to think of it, but they can't. Uh And I'm like, if that took me like two seconds to come up with, then I feel like people people view hell, because as human beings, we have to have this dualism. Yeah. If I'm a good person and I do good things, I'm gonna good things are gonna happen to me. And if I do bad things and crappy things to people, then I'm gonna go to this crappy place. And I think that's what it is. Where it's like we've been obsessed with that. Where we should just do good things regardless if there's a heaven or a hell. We should do good things mm-hmm. because we're good people. Yeah. And you talk about um, you know due consequences, like you were saying with your daughter. If she does something bad, there has to be a, a due consequence. Do you see there being an eternal? consequence followed by grace and forgiveness i there could be and i have a friend of mine who's catholic and i was always i always made fun of catholic friends growing up who believed in purgatory and but most catholics don't believe in hell they believe in purgatory because they'll say kind of almost like how your dad said that purification where that's what in, in essence that what purgatory could be it would be like a, a for your soul, it could almost be like a prison where you're there for a certain amount of time to forgive, like penance, to forgive whatever you did. It could have been like, you you know, never pay taxes. That's mm-hmm. bad. But most people are going to be like, not paying taxes and being like a child molester are not the same. Yeah. So you would be in purgatory to, to do that. So uh, do I believe in purgatory? I don't know. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to throw that out right. and say that I don't – that that can't happen. I, I, if there is a hell, I would, which I don't believe in hell, but if there was a hell, I would look at hell more in like a purgatorial sense instead of like, I just, I just can't in my heart and in my mind come to grasp that there is a literal place of hell that is the weeping and gnashing of teeth, all these like metaphors that you see in the scripture, because I think we use that as a, a manipulation tool oh, yes. in True. our faith yeah, to say, and yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a fear base. Like, I've known so many people who now are agnostic, atheists, or don't know what they are, who they said they left faith because they're like, after they stepped back, they were like, it's manipulation. They're yeah. saying, it's like being in a relationship with a parent or a, a, a girlfriend, boyfriend that. They're a, a chronic manipulator. They're trying to manipulate everything you believe in. And I do think that's in a lot of ways, it's not even scriptural, mm. but it's more of like, 
I'm going to believe and tell people that they're going to go to hell if they don't believe our way. And that's, I started quite now looking at it. I started questioning that when I was like a teenager and I would, and I never came out with those views because I thought people, Oh, you're young, you're impressionable. But now that I say it, when I have all these degrees and I went to school and then people are like, well, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about (laughs) because he did all the legwork and, you know, set up all these nights writing papers, drinking Red Bulls, maybe he knows a little bit more yeah. than someone who hasn't. And I could be wrong, but mm. I just, you know, I don't hold, I don't lose any sleep over it. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. Yeah, it's really good. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before we do our, our segment here? Not Any plugs? Unless, not unless you want to. I mean, uh, plug would be, you know, we both like Jay Baker and, you know, plug going to Revolution if, I don't know how many people list, uh, you know, listen to the podcast hopefully I think it's quite a few online listeners so that's good Um, get some more traction so you know if you can't make it here to Minneapolis to Bryant Lake Bowl where he meets then follow him online I think it's revolutionchurch.com or look at you know look up Jay Baker Um, he's got a lot of YouTube videos you can learn a lot about him that way that's how I was first introduced to him Uh, I I was first introduced to like we both me and him both grew up and they sent us a god and my grandparents supported the Bakers, his parents, when they were young. So growing up, not as many people now, like if someone's like twenty twenty one, and I say the Bakers, they look at me sideways like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. But growing up in that tradition, he influenced me a lot, and I've told him that he's influenced me a lot, influenced both of us. Yes. So I would say, you know, support his ministry. And everybody will tell you in ministry, supporting each other supporting friends regardless if you believe everything the same way is where it's at um so support jay there's a ton of podcasts besides air of grievances to support but you know uh drunk ex-pastors mm-hmm. um i love inglorious pastors mm-hmm. um shoot there's a ton of them that i, I like the liturgist science mike yeah, um the deconstructionist oh that's they're, a great one. they're good yeah. just support Podcasting's taken off yeah. um, in the last probably four or five years, mm-hmm. and if people just it's it's like I tell people it's like going to seminary for free, yeah, yeah. online. So I do say that, and I have to plug my own stuff. Is yes. um, Sacred Collective is we're on Facebook. It's just go to Facebook the Sacred Collective the Sacred Collective of the Twin Cities. I don't post a lot of stuff on there just because I work forty plus hours a week at my day job. Um, and then, you know, I'm married and have a kid and that's a full-time job in itself and it's in its infancy, but you know, I think we're here today too, going to work on stuff for that. So look us up, um, you know, uh, find me on Facebook. I'm sure my name will be uh, on this podcast and yeah. So do you want to spell your name? Cause I'm going to be honest, it's a little bit tricky. It is. It's a very uh, different way to spell it. My name's Brian Odland. Uh, Brian's spelled a little bit different than the usual, but it's B-R-I-E-N, and my last name is spelled A-A-D-L-A-N-D. Um, you can put stuff on Facebook, like I have my normal like public profile, but if people want to ask me like deep questions, don't maybe DM me instead of um, that. I'm on Twitter um, as Rogue Theologian. I gotta find you on there. Okay. Um, so I don't post as much as I should. Some people, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's like a full time job. Right. But anybody will tell you that when you have kids and have a 
job, then that takes precedence over being on Twitter and, <laughs> yeah. and your social platform. Um, but yeah, so I'm just trying to dabble and do other stuff. So hopefully, you know, working on Sacred Collective is the next big thing, and we'll see what, what awesome, happens man. there. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this today, dude. Hey, no real. problem. You're helping me out a lot. No Appreciate problem. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to play a, a game. It's a segment. It's like lightning round here. Lightning round. No, it's um, it reminds me of like a 70s game show or something like that. It's really silly. I think it's a it's fun. Like, it's like the gong show. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Wheel of Fortune. It's called Guess That Religion. Guess That Religion. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you some quotes from a religion, and you have to guess what the, reli- what the religion is. It's okay. not easy. Don't feel bad if you don't get it. It's really silly. It's not easy. No pressure. And no pressure. Exactly. Especially from a, a seminary student. So, uh... Okay, here we go. This one, I'm going to give you a hint up front. This one's a little bit tricky, and it may not be what you think it is. But then again... I don't know exactly your uh, education, so you might know it. So here we go. His disciples said to him, when will the kingdom come? Jesus said, it will not come by waiting for it. It will not be a matter of saying, here it is or there it is. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and men do not see it. Simon Peter said to him, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Hmm. Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male so that she may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman will make herself male and enter the kingdom of heaven. This is more of a a guess guess that book than guess that religion. Well, I was going to say the religion is Christianity. Yes. Um, What book? Yeah. Well, what? Uh, what? Maybe what collection of books might be more fair? What I would say was, would it be the epistles? It's from, or is it one of the gospels? It's a Gnostic gospel. Oh, well, see, when seminary, I went to a more conservative seminary. They didn't really teach out of the Gnostic gospels. Okay. I know what they are, but yeah, what what Gnostic? It's the book, book of Thomas. Yeah. What is up with with all that male stuff? Well, I mean, unfortunately, the Bible is written in a very patriarchal uh, society where women, you know, were worse than property. I mean, children had it better off than than uh, an animal. So, like, you're a little, like a little, like my daughter, and if we had any animals, would unfortunately be have a higher rank than my wife. Wow. And so, and I think that's one of the things that. Even Jesus railed against. Well, I said earlier he was more of like a rebel and revolutionary because Jesus was like, uh, "There's you know no male or female that distinction." Where it was like, "You, I don't look at you as male or females. I look at you as you know human beings." As humans. Okay. Okay. I didn't know there was going to be a test. Yeah, it's a test. It's supposed to be a fun game. Oh, it is. Here we go. I'll edit this out. I like saying I'll edit this out and then leaving it in there. <laughs> okay. Here we go. And I'm going to have to uh, replace some words with the English equivalent to not give it away. Mm-hmm. Little hint. 
In the name of God, the gracious, the merciful, praise be to God, the Lord of the worlds, the most gracious one, the most merciful, master of the day of judgment. It is, it is you we worship, and upon you we call for help. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those you have blessed, not of those against whom there is anger, nor of those who are misguided. Is that the Quran? Bingo! The, we'll give it away. Um, just when you were replacing God, okay. I'm, I was thinking just Allah, yeah. and just, I've studied the Quran just a, like a smidge, but just how I feel, and, and if there's any people who are Muslims, I don't want to sound like, not, I'm not slamming their belief or anything, but it just sounds like, from what I read part of the Quran, it sounds more dictatorial. Mm. Of like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't right. do this. Legalistic. Maybe, but that's just how their holy book was written. Right. So that's kind and of just triggered that off of my head. All of the, you know, the Muslims that the, I get, would you say Muslim or Islam? Well, it's the, As a noun. I, I don't know. The, I think a Muslim is the belief is Islam is the religion. Okay. So those who practice Islam that I know are the nicest people and, and, and most – I don't know. I'm not saying that as a blanket statement. But the ones that I've met in Kansas City are just so loving mm-hmm. and so inclusive. Absolutely. And yeah. It, it kind of goes against the stereotypes that you see on the news, Fox News, you know, right. stuff like that. Right. Fox News. <laughs> I should have a segment. Fake about, news. <laughs> I should have a segment about Fox News. There you go. Cool, guys. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you so much to Brian. We're about to stick around here and work a little bit on the Sacred Collective, which you have to check out. It will be coming, hopefully, fingers crossed, coming to iTunes soon, and we'll have a website up for you. And, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us out on Facebook at Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Enjoy. That wraps it up, guys. That is my interview with Brian. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for the Sacred Collective podcast, website, Facebook, Twitter, Brian's a great dude. I love him. He's one of the core members of Revolution Church. I think that he is at the forefront of the revival of Christianity, the resurrection, if you will, of Christianity. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. I love you guys. Please check me out at airofgrievances.com. You can go to Air of Grievances uh, Patreon page, patreon.com slash airofgrievances. And you can find out about my social media on my website. I love you all. Thanks.